if your goal is to help, let's just say a, a million families, whether you're right or wrong has no direct correlation to that end result, right? Like it, they're they're not they're not tied together at all. So it's you need to be okay with killing your baby, so to speak. Of you need to build this creation and then stand naked in front of everyone and let them tear you apart and then rebuild again. And that that was a very mentally challenging thing to do because it's. You, you present it and they're like, nope, garbage, scratch it, start, start over and like, fuck. Welcome to Airdrop, the show that'll help you understand what NFTs are, how they work, how to use them, and all that good stuff. I'm Rawion and I'm here with my delightful friend, Phosphorus, and today we're talking to Mel Anik from Theopetra Labs. Mel is a real estate guy in Southern California, and he's helped lots of people walk through the process of buying their first home or second home or, you know, as you know, you buy homes. And he was waiting for someone smarter to go through the process of putting real estate on the blockchain, as well as find a way to keep housing affordable. But that person didn't come. Turns out that person was him. In this episode, Mel talks about how traditional real estate funds basically kind of suck. They just like buy a building, paint the walls a different color and raise the rent. So like tenants just keep getting ripped off and how this whole thing is causing a huge socioeconomic divide in the U.S. And Theopetra is designed around fixing that and solving that problem and solving that problem for normal people like you and me. So in this episode, we're going to dive into one, how Theopetra is working to put real estate on the blockchain. Two, we're going to talk about Mel's origin story. And then we're going to talk about how you can fast pass the line to get one of these homes, one of these T-homes with a Theopetra NFT. Ooh. So Rallyon, in our last episode, we talked a lot about core values and how you need to have your core values defined yeah. before you start a project. Right. Well, Mel and Theopetra is one of those projects with like a clear North Star on what they want to deliver on. Yeah. And I mean, I just really dig that he saw a problem and then he's now on a mission to solve that problem, you know? And hey, if you're seeing a problem out there and you are trying to figure out a way to solve it and you want to figure out your core values like we talked about in the last episode, we have a document in the description that's going to help you walk through every step of finding your core values. So it, it'll just take a couple minutes to get with your team, sit down, do this little exercise. It's honestly kind of fun. And it's going to save you a bunch of trouble and time and misery later on if you're getting started with a project or a company or whatever. So check that out. A hundred percent. Like Mel isn't concerned about him or his ego in this process, right? He wants to help as many people as possible and to do so, you need to have the mechanisms always working right. So, you know, one of his core values is like healthy feedback. He's willing to talk to anybody online who knows this better than him so the product can be better. And because of that, you see him sticking to his guns and trying to make the best product possible. And when I see that in a founder, I it's ultimate respect for me. So also, if you want to help us out, the easiest way to do that is, you know, rating and reviewing this podcast, sharing it with a friend. Make sure you go to Twitter and following us at The Airdrop Show. Let us know you're listening. And that'd be great because we want to hear from you. This We don't want this to be a one-way conversation. We want this to be a two-way conversation. And that's the easiest way you can do that for us. Well, enough out of us. Let's drop in. All 
All right, so we got Mel in the house, Mel Anik from Theopetrol Labs. I was really excited to even get you on this show. I remember it was like our second episode with Megapont and Mr. Zeon was talking about like Web3 and what's all going to happen. And he was talking about like, yeah, we're, there's even going to be like real estate involved in Web3 and like self-paying mortgages. And I was like, holy crap, what is this? We are, we are in the future, people. We are going there. And then I found Theo Petra and what he was talking about. And I, of course, fell down this deep, dark rabbit hole. And I'm just excited to have you here talking to us about what Theo Petra is and how it's possibly going to change real estate forever. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's that's hopefully the goal, right, is uh, to make some sort of impact and, and kind of create some sort of change. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like real estate's been a long time coming as far as changes needed and you know, no, no time than now, and especially no better space than Web3. So I'm happy to dive into it. Yeah. So we usually start the show with asking the question, what is an NFT? Can you explain it in the simplest way possible? But for this conversation, I kind of want to ask you, what is Web3? Mel, could you kind of explain that to us? What is Web3 in the most simple language you can think of? Yeah. So so the way that it kind of clicked for me when, when I kind of clicked for me as far as what, what is actually Web3, communal ownership, which kind of takes us back to our roots of evolution in a way where it's, you know, everybody's kind of owning a share of something. And at the same time, it's it's very open platform and open transparency as well. So it's communal ownership with the highest degree of transparency is the way that I've always understood what Web3 actually is. When you look at Web2, you know, a lot of companies and projects and, and everything, the way you gain competitive edge is with proprietary information and, you know, having some sort of edge against the competition. But with Web3, it's kind of almost inverted where the more that you give away, the more power that you give away, the more power that you kind of receive back, which is the most fascinating thing to me. So so that's the way that I've always understood and I've kind of conceptualized Web3. Mm. It's so exciting to live in the beginning of this era where you actually can get rewarded for your hard work and what you put in. I feel like in so many other instances, you don't get actually paid for how good you work or how well you put things together. It's usually based on who you know and promotions and everything else. And Web3 does feel like this communal, we are working together to build something incredible. And we all speak the same language now, so it's much easier to do this, right? We're kind of talking about this. So let's talk about the housing market, specifically in the United States. I remember, maybe it's a millennial thing. I remember I was in high school, I was senior year, and my government teacher was like, your generation will not make as much as your parents. You'll be the first generation in American history not to continue that growth curve. And I was like, yeah, so what? Whatever. We're still going to be great. I'm going to college. And then I graduated college as the housing market crashed and there was no jobs. There was nothing there. And I, this quote that my, you know, poli sci teacher back in senior year had quoted to me. And I was like, holy crap, like, is this happening? And now as I've become a full-fledged adult and I'm looking to buy my first house and I'm like, man, this is hard. Now us millennials are like, when is the next bubble going to pop? Because that's going to be the only time I'm going to afford to get anything. And now we're kind of waiting for this. And and maybe you can dive into this. You're obviously the expert in this. What's happening in the housing market? How's the American dream kind of dying a little bit? Yeah, no, no, for sure. And I, I, I'm under the opinion that I think the housing crisis that we kind of have going on right now is is probably one of the largest problems that we're going to be facing in America. Just just kind of period because there's this almost divergence of two classes now kind of going on where it's 
there's owners and there's renters, right? And and that gap is always kind of splitting just by the free market kind of dynamics. And I was I was in a really weird spot because I was helping people buy their home, but yet again, I was a person who also couldn't afford to buy a home, right? I'm I'm sitting there helping people and I'm making good money in, in the six figures and I was kind of looking at what what can this actually get you and it's it's mind-blowing. It's it's really not much. You know, like you you need a really really good income to break mm-hmm. into the market and actually start building some sort of equity and that's that's kind of where it kind of where the thoughts really kind of started coming into me where I was there's there's a huge gap kind of going on right now and there's there's problems within the market and people don't just don't really have an option. You know, you could either rent or if you do buy a home, you could either buy a home where it's a condo or a single family home and everybody's competing for the two same two types of inventory. And of course there's going to be a supply squeeze, you know, because everybody's competing for the same things. And over time that's going to continue rising. And unless your income is also rising by five or 10%, you're getting left behind, you know, slowly, but surely. And, you know, a lot of us are under this impression that this bubble has to pop and, and housing will come down dramatically again. And I really don't think that's going to be the case. You know, if, if the market even slips five or 10%, people are going to just gobble it right up. You know, people are, are waiting for that for, for anything. So I, it's, it's going to be a really interesting dynamic, I think, over the next course of five or 10 years on where does housing go and, and what are people going to do? You know, you're already seeing like a huge flight to the Midwest, but then it's just causing the Midwestern prices. I'm sure all the Midwesterners listening to this, they're like, you damn Californians need to stop moving here, <laughs> you know? So so it's kind of like people are running to where things are cheaper, but ironically, now those things are also now starting to bubble and spike. So it's it's a interesting time now to, to be in real estate to uh, say the least, for sure. Yeah. And we can't blame it all on the Californians. I know everyone wants to try as a California native who is no longer living in California. I get that a lot, especially if I go to Tennessee, they're like, please leave. And and you're like, I'm just trying to make a better life for my family. I'm sure you are too. But it's also what I'm seeing is a lot of these, a lot of bigger firms like money firms are buying up single family homes like crazy that are now renting them out as another asset class who makes it even more unattainable. It's just compounding problems, one of the other. And we got to do something probably not for our generation, but at least for the generation under us. So we can kind of bring back this Maslow hierarchy of needs, right? It's in there. You need food and you need shelter. And housing is shelter. It's one of these basic core needs. So let's talk about what Theopetra is doing to solve this problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's kind of where I fell into the the Theopetra rabbit hole myself in a way a little bit too. We're actually tackling two core problems. So we're going to be one of the, I don't want to say the first real estate project on chain, it's not true, but but one of of the first earlier ones. It's in its early stages of iterations. And the main two core problems that we're solving is on chain, the the problem that's actually going on on chain with, with just DeFi in general is that Every yield that you see in DeFi is completely crypto on crypto, meaning any yield, anything that you see in DeFi right now is either crypto inflation, crypto mining, crypto fees, crypto swaps, crypto exchanges. There's nothing really coming in from the outside. It's purely in its own little box. And of course, when Bitcoin burps, everything falls, right? Like when when Bitcoin hiccups even slightly, everything falls with it. So what we're really trying to deliver is can people stake a token? In our case, it's going to be Theo. And you would be able to earn yield that's not relevant to the crypto markets whatsoever, right? This this yield will come in regardless of what the crypto markets do. And in our case, you're going to be paid ETH, Ethereum. 
And that was kind of like the main core principle thesis of Theo in the very beginning was, can you create a token around a, a layer one need, like you said, and actually give a token that's not really related to the crypto markets? And that was kind of like the very basic beginning principles of Theo. Okay. So I know there's also REIT, R-E-A-T, mm-hmm. right? That you have kind of two mechanisms here. So the first one would be Theo, which you can then buy with Ethereum. Correct. And then you would go and stake that. And the yield you'd gain from that goes, just go through the whole system. How does the whole flywheel work? Absolutely. So whenever people buy our token, we build up a treasury over time. You know, So people can always come to our website and always buy the token at a discount to whatever it's trading on Coinbase or SushiSwap or anything like that. You, of course, will in exchange have to lock up your token for an extended period of time you know, to get that discount. But what that actually does is now we actually have a way to continue taking in capital, continue fundraising pretty much in perpetuity from anyone in the world, right? Whether you live in America, you know, Asia, India, doesn't really matter. And what we actually do with this capital now is we plug it into the Stacks ecosystem into our project called REIT. And the way that that works, it's a, it's a proof of transfer mechanism, meaning that when people mine this token, and the way you mine this token is you send in stacks to actually mine back the, the REIT token. As miners continue contributing, this actually capitalizes us enough to actually buy a real estate property with that money, right? So for example, for every $100 that goes through the wheel, 80 of those dollars goes towards the community. 20 of those dollars will go either towards buying more real estate or towards management expenses, et cetera, mm-hmm. you know, things like that as well. Right. And what's kind of interesting is, is this wheel, you can kind of think about it as like a, like, like a flywheel mechanism where as miners commit over time, there's enough you know capital in there in the form of stacks to actually buy a building. And what we're going to do is we're going to convert that stacks to US dollars, buy a commercial asset, a, a multifamily building, an apartment building. And now that building actually starts acting as a miner on its own, right? Now, now that building can actually start mining the REIT token again. And it actually starts kind of like spinning this wheel. You can kind of imagine where it starts kind of uh, spinning. And mathematically over time, a second building will happen and then a third one will happen faster than the first two. And it's really meant to be kind of sped up over time as more buildings get kind of introduced. And now the final end result that you have is now there's a token that you can actually earn stacks yield from the, you know, from the stacks chain. And also from the Theo token, you can earn Ethereum yield as, as well. So it's kind of like a fully scalable mechanism to actually scale real estate on chain as well. So when you buy a building and you'll pick a multifamily building, then the tenants of that building would be the quote unquote paying rent. Mm -hmm. And that money, because you're buying a building outright, you don't have a mortgage to pay. You're just paying utilities. You're just making sure water, power, gas, everything's on. Make sure Mm -hmm. AC works. The roof doesn't leak, right? Make sure those all good. Now the extra money that goes paying to rent would then continue the flywheel mechanism to help that go back into stacks, which would then go back to a yield, which would then purchase another building, right? Is that how that works? That is completely correct. Yes. Now, if I'm a tenant of this building, do I own that? Do I rent it? Am I renting to a point until I own? How does that kind of work? Yeah, absolutely. So from the tenant's point of view, it actually nothing changes for them whatsoever. They just pay their rent in the form of US dollars 
And the beauty of this mechanism is that we don't really have to increase rents as aggressively as a standard landlord because of the mining activity actually going on. Mm-hmm. So we're actually getting pretty capitalized without really having to increase rents all that aggressively. So what the tenant is going to notice is that their rents will not go up more than 1% a year. We will be filing as a nonprofit. And now it's actually like a actual solution that the government can't do, but also traditional nonprofits can't do as well. It's, it's purely solved from people just wanting to mine the token mm. and, and it completely capitalizes the affordable. So it's, it's, it's essentially scalable, affordable housing. Yeah. I feel that even now the place I'm living now was a good $300 cheaper three years ago. And I don't know what it's going to be in the next three years. You know, it's everything keeps going up to the point where like, I'm going to have to be making much, much, much more money just to stay where I am. But that's not how, you know, regular jobs work. You have, you get locked in for a certain amount of time and you can kind of get outpriced, which we're seeing now everywhere. So how did, how did you end up solving this problem? Why you, what, how, how did you get here? Yeah. You know, I, I've always been absolutely obsessed with just business in general. And I've, I've been absolutely obsessed with the real estate industry. And when I, when I, I got to a point in my career where I was kind of looking at a lot of my friends starting a real estate fund and kind of going the traditional route, I, I got a peek behind the curtains. And, and, and to me, it, it just didn't seem morally correct, you know, on, on that end. And also it just seemed like it was a very outdated model. It just felt like you were swimming against the tide of what's actually going on behind Web3. And I've always kind of waited around. I, I thought somebody else was going to build a real estate project. And in my eyes, it needs to solve a real world problem and put real estate on, you know, like real estate revenues on chain instead of just one or the other. And, and to me, it just seemed like a very elegant solution. But yeah, I mean, I just kind of waited around. Nobody was really doing anything. So I said, why not? I'll, I'll uh, give it a shot in a way that I envisioned in my mind that, that it would look like eventually, you know, so purely a passion project. And yeah, that, that's kind of where, where we're at today. So before all of this, you were doing real estate. Yeah. So, so within the Southern California area here, I've done about a hundred million dollars in residential sales. So I, I've helped a lot of people just kind of go through the process of buying a home and, and things like that too. And I've ran a small fund before and, and, you know, I was thinking about possibly scaling and, and building an actual real estate fund. And, you know, to be honest, a little bit of a chip on my shoulder kind of started when I saw the models and I was like, all you guys are doing is just raising a bunch of capital and just calling your property manager to paint the building gray and raise rents by 300 bucks. And hmm. you sell the, it's, it's like a, it's the, we get criticized in this space that we're a Ponzi, but real estate funds are the biggest Ponzi that exists. I think that you'll ever possibly see where it's just, it's a skill of how fast can you raise money and the rest handles itself. You just kind of raise rents and sell the building for a higher cost. It's a, if people truly saw how much work went into it, I, I think real estate funds would get regulated a lot more heavily, you know, from, from there too. So you specifically want to start in Southern California. Is there a reason why SoCal is near to dear in your heart? What, what's going on there? Yeah. So, so not only are we scaling the affordable housing model, what we're actually going to give our community the ability to do is to actually buy your apartment unit for as low as a 2% down payment as well. So you can actually, actually own your apartment unit as a starter home for 2% down. So um, it's not just operating as like an affordable housing model. Now for, I, I think we're the first ones on market that you can actually buy your apartment for a 2% down payment. And instead of the landlord gaining the equity upside, the families inside would be able to gain gain the equity. So the reason we're, we're starting off in Southern California first is the 
the cost of an apartment is dramatically lower than a condo, even though they're ironically the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. The lifestyle wise, even if they're the same material, same size, it's just a matter of definition by the government and who is gaining the upside. So uh, we're going to be buying in areas where you know the apartment is going to be fifty to two hundred thousand dollars less than a standard condo in the area, and we'll we'll just start giving people the ability to actually own that as their standard kind of first starter home from from there. So so that's why Southern California first. Yeah, when I lived in Southern California for a little bit, you know, I lived in in a converted garage shed mm-hmm. in the back, and that was just where I lived. So yeah, there's definitely a need for more housing especially in areas, highly metropolitan areas. So, and I know you giving ownership, at least with 2% down, is huge because when you, you own something versus you renting something, your mindset changes. And now there's a whole social class that is missing out on the gains of real estate mm-hmm. that you're going to give people access to. So for an individual or a family that's now owning, say, their apartment, they'll be able to sell that at any point in time to move out. And then you then have that spot that you fill. Yeah. So the way it's going to work is anytime you want to sell, you would just go through the standard market process of getting an agent, putting it on the MLS. So it just goes through you know Zillow and Redfin. We don't have to build that out on our end or anything like that. We just kind of plug into the system that already exists and, and nothing really changes from the consumer point of view. The, the main thing that they're, that they're trading off and that they're not getting is a standard traditional government deed. You know, they're able to get the financial upside. They're able to buy it for 2% down. The only thing you're not getting is a standard piece of paper by the government saying you own this, this property, right? It, it'll mm-hmm. say it in our contract. We could give you an NFT. There's other ways we can convey it, but you're not going to get that paper from the government. And I think that'll be the... The interesting thing that we're going to test and see if that's what something if if that's what people care about. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah. Okay. So on NFT marketplaces like Byzantium or Gamma, I see mm-hmm. the Theopetra NFTs being traded. Right. I've seen kings. I've seen rooks. I've seen pawns. Mm-hmm. What are those? Yeah. So so those are our. You can think of those as like a fast pass. You know, when you go to Disneyland, you have like a Disneyland fast pass. And the way those are going to work is when we release T-Homes, we're, we're shooting for quarter four that you can actually buy these units. You can actually get a front of the line access to one of these units. And additionally, we'll also give you a rebate per month. Like because you're an early customer, we'll give mm-hmm. you like a monthly rebate of anywhere between $200 and $600 a month from the stacking yield going on from proof of transfer, right? Because of the, the, those stacking. So you're actually now earning a rebate. So what you're actually going to get is uh, access to the home ownership product and also a uh, monthly rebate as like a thank you for being an early customer as well. So these are specific. If you live in Southern California and this is something you'd want to have to get in early on this process. Yes. Yeah. So so our initial market right now is going to be Southern California. We, we plan on expanding to Florida next and then it would be, you know, Vegas and then Phoenix and kind of kind of going from there. Move your way down the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. This is very intriguing because it's a huge problem you're trying to solve and you're doing it in a Web3 way where there are multiple mechanisms that work together that compounded on top of each other over time. You're really going to see this explode. Is that what you're kind of 
anticipating happening? Are you looking at buildings now? Where are you in that process? Like, what's the next step that Mel needs to do on the day to day to get Theo off the ground? Yeah. So, you know, we're attacking it from uh, multiple approaches. I- obviously, you know, we-, we are identifying a building that'll depend on whatever whitelist proceeds that we receive. You know, a whitelist will be in, a- in about a month or two. And we're also raising money from the traditional capital sense as well that has no token associated whatsoever. We're actually going, you know, purely TradFi as well to also scale T-Homes model w- with that way as well. So we'll be scaling with Web3, but also the TradFi markets mm. pretty pretty heavily too. So that that's that's what's been consuming my time day to day is just um, knocking on doors to firms saying, hey, do you want to hold you know T homes as a debt product? Do you want to buy this debt from these families? You know, because you, you need a bank to essentially hold this this debt. So our, our first milestone is we're, we're shooting for is a hundred million dollars in T homes kind of sold and placed and and families living inside. Help me here. What is T homes? So T homes is just what we're calling the ability to buy your apartment. So when you buy your apartment, we're just calling that a T home. You know, it's like that. Got that's it. just the term that we're calling it because it's it's not a condo. It's not a not a single family home. So we're like, let's let's call it something something different. <laughs> the Theo Petra T home. So Theo Petra, the name. Correct me if I'm wrong here. It has it's Greek term. Can you give me the origin story? Why you picked Theo Petra? Yeah, yeah. The the reason I picked Theopetra, it's a it's a cave in Greece that they find they they found one of the earliest human remains from. There, there was actually generation multiple generations of families living in there, and caves were the first time that we ever really owned real estate. It was like the first real estate of of mankind. So mm. I really wanted to go with with a cave on on that end. Yeah, I love the idea of of bringing it back to basics and hitting with the basic human needs. Again, plus it sounds it sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, you yeah the the ancient Greece names are uh, you, you definitely definitely can't miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I call myself Phosphorus, which is also a, a Greek god, so it's kind of funny how that. Yeah, it just sounds cool. It sounds sounds smart. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Okay, so you have Theo coin, which you can buy with Ethereum. You lock that up for a longer amount of time. Mm-hmm. The yield on that goes to you and it goes to funding what else yeah so when you lock up theo you as a let's just say you're a token holder you yeah. will, you will receive ethereum and also a theo yield when you buy the theo token directly from us we just use that money and actually go out and buy real estate with it from mm. from there that whatever you give us we're taking that and buying buying real estate with it right okay and then with that extra money with theo and the yield you buy homes in that where does REIT come into this again? I'm just trying to put yeah. all the pieces together. Yeah. So so whatever money we gain from the sales of, of Theo, that goes actually towards mining REIT. So we convert whatever Ethereum we have or whatever you know USDC we have, we convert that to stacks. We start mining into REIT pretty consistently. Over enough time, REIT wallet will have enough capital in it to actually buy buildings with that from, from there. And then you get one building, you get filled with tenants, or it might already have tenants in it that you can just mm-hmm. tell them we're going to do this. And, you know, it's just changing a landlord from them. Probably won't be that bad. And they'll be a part of this new system. Eh, go for it. And then you'll be able to buy an, another building. And then it's just going to be compounded over time. Where do you see Theo going in 10 years? Five years? Yeah, I, I really foresee T-Homes, specifically just the, the T-Homes model becoming like a 
leader in what we call alternative housing. That that's of course our in kind of internal goal. We really want to be like the, the leader of giving people ownership in this alternative model. And ideally our community is the one kind of leading that charge of we're taking ownership in everything that we buy as a community. So we're we're just trucking along and we're just buying these assets. You know, my my, my thesis long term with Web3 is the community that really wins long term, I think, is going to be the one that owns the most physical assets, you know, controls the most physical space of farmland or actual, you know, real world utility and actual real world assets. So we, we, we want to position ourselves in a way that we can scale the fastest and, and have our community kind of dictate the, the landscape a little bit more. I think that sounds that sounds a lot of fun to me. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when you talk about like NFTs or Web3, it's always like, yeah, you're putting like artificial scarcity and you're like, no, 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 no. We want the real scarcity. We have one earth with limited amount of space on it. Whoever actually makes a difference there will actually have the most impact on the most people. Yeah, I mean, you go straight to the layer one, straight for it. And it, it's like, there's nothing else that supersedes that basic need, right? You you can't really go after oxygen. You can't go after sleep. You can't go after food, but you can go after you know, a basic need such as real estate. And ideally, we take market share away from these black rocks of the world that are just mm-hmm. gobbling up tens of thousands. And it's more in a Web3 native space, which I think is safer long-term, you know, no, no, no shareholder meetings and none of that nonsense, you know. Which goes back to how you defined Web3, right? It's the collaboration of the collective versus the single monolithic organization, right? That's gobbling up things. We now as a community of people can choose to opt into something else. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and our community will always have priority on whatever buildings we own. So it's, you know, if, if somebody's kids want to buy, buy a unit later or wh- whatever the case it is, it's now you actually have somewhere to go. And that's, that's the true kind of long-term vision that I see with Theo is like, you know, fully nationwide thing where you can, you can go access at any time if you or your family ever, ever wanted to gain access to it, you know? So. I mean, why just think nationally? I think there's a lot of international stuff that you could also think. I mean, of course, baby steps, one step at a time, one building in SoCal before we're talking about taking over the world, right? Pinky in the brain status. But you got to do at least one first and prove the model that it works. It's not a Ponzi and we can just continue to to build this thing out. This is this is really exciting. This is This is crazy. What started you to think about this collaborative way of thinking and and really, like I feel like you're kind of giving the finger to everybody while doing this. <laughs> like, no, no, no. If we just think about this harder, we can actually come up with a better solution. That has to be hardwired into you from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a bad habit of mine where I, anytime anybody tells me anything, I always default to that's bullshit. <laughs> you know, so so it's like anytime somebody says anything, I'm like that's bullshit until we prove the absolute bare bare truth of of what that is. You know, and I've always just kind of explored, um, I'm absolutely obsessed with just philosophy in general and just kind of exploration of just thinking. And it's been something that's I've always been rather kind of fascinated by. And for, for whatever reason, I've always gravitated towards real estate and crypto was a really good natural fit as well. Just just it, it's, it kind of meets the thesis of everything that I'm, I'm about. So I've been kind of fortunate to be in both spaces at the right time at the right, you know, right space. So, but yeah, I mean, ever since the beginning, I've always been rather explorative. I mean, even in like second grade, I remember thinking about Santa Claus and I was thinking if he was real, scientists would be wanting to explore his 
technology and we don't really see that happening you know <laughs> so yeah, 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 like yeah. reverse engineering santa claus magic um, no there's got to be something <laughs> else behind this but yeah you know i i, I think i'm just also fortunate just, just to be in, in the the right time right right place type of thesis for both industries you know as well so yeah it's funny you talk about santa claus and how magic and now you're feels like you're working with magic internet money <laughs> to make this happen. It's just, yeah, that's just kind of funny how it works. I'm just excited to have you on the show because this is so revolutionary. And I really, I'm interested to see what will happen when you have your first tenants and how they react. Will they understand what is all happening? And I think you have the crypto community kind of behind you. How have you felt in talking about this with crypto native people? What has been their response? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I was first kind of questioning is the crypto community going to be accepting of it? Because obviously there's much longer timelines with real estate. You can't really think like a quote unquote DGEN where it's, I'm going to flip this in 30 days. <laughs> it just doesn't work. So, you know, w- with our whitelist, we have lockups of six to 18 months and, and people are super excited still. They're, they're okay holding it that long. They're okay locking it up for that long. So, so that was my biggest hesitancy of, of everything was, the timeline of what's needed for real estate and for something to execute and the impatience of the crypto community in general, you know, just, just with the nature of things moving so fast. So that, that was one of my bigger concerns, I think, um, starting everything out. I think a lot of the crypto community kind of lives in this game theory world, right? They're all kind of just playing a game. How have you worked that game theory model into the Theopetra mechanism? Yeah, so I, I'm also really obsessed with with game theory as well, and we actually incorporated in a competition element into the Theo token, and and not not to really confuse anyone, but the only way we're going to distribute ETH to people, you know, long term, I, I see DAOs in the future, real estate allocation, you know, something like Theo potentially, and that down the line, I kind of see it acting the way of four times a year, once a quarter, we're going to go in, and it's going to be on a pre-designated time. Let's just say it's April 23rd, 9 p.m. Pacific, and you will only get an Ethereum airdrop if you were in the top 4,000. And this kind of creates an interesting dynamic where the guys or the people that are in, you know, let's say spots between 3,500 and 4,000, they're now incentivized to accumulate to make sure they don't get kicked out last minute from the, the airdrop, right? And mm. the people right behind them are now incentivized to break into the 4,000 and, and accumulate last minute to get their ETH rewards. So th- there's this kind of like a PVP element in, in Theo that we incorporated in that'll be fun to kind of watch as well over time. Which is fun because now more people are buying and they're incentivized to just, you need to get, make sure you get that one more before somebody else does. Mm-hmm. And they'll be competing to get to the top so that they can make sure they can get the airdrop. Yeah. And it's a significant amount of ETH too, because we're only doing four a year. So if you miss out, I mean, you you missed out on one fourth of your Ethereum yield that, that year, right? So you're probably watching it up until the last minute of that clock to make sure nobody snipes you last second of you know, just buying a bunch last minute and, and locking it up. So we don't know how that's going to operate in, in the real world, but it, it seems fun and, and exciting more than just HODL coins, you know. Right. One of the big things I've appreciated about watching you work on the internet is your openness to talk just about this online. How talking about the mechanisms and obviously there are much smarter people talking to you about this. Like how did you first start this? Did you start talking to one person? You didn't like just do a big thing to open the Discord. I know I had to like sneak my way in <laughs> where it was like, there's one day open. Make sure you do this. Oh, snap. I'm going to make sure I do this. It's that game theory. It worked for me. How, how did you get this ball rolling? 
Yeah. So in the very beginning, to be honest, I was doing just very limited rounds just because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't full of shit and that I wanted people to call me out. So it's like, I'm going to let people in slowly to call me out on my nonsense if I'm doing anything wrong. And it's that bullshit thing in your head. Were- <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that like I, I wasn't missing anything. And, and, and funny enough, it actually ended up being a really fun and fun marketing campaign as we were uh, kind of gearing up. So we just continued it, you know, moving forward. But uh, yeah, initially it was just, I wanted to do calls with people and just ask for feedback of where do you think, where are the flaws, you know, in, in this and where, where could, where could we potentially kind of expose things. And it was super helpful actually as well. Right. Because if this is going to work, we're going to need to make sure we have all the smartest people on board to make sure this works, which is that whole web three thing with the collaboration over competition. How, how can we bring people in to make sure this project works and you have all the right tokenomics and that stuff's over my head. So I, I see you talking to people on the Discord. And it's like, wow, somebody's like, what's he talking about? Like, I have no idea, <laughs> but I'm sure it's really smart. But so uh, yeah, and I love how you you started small built relationships and were really forward about like, show me where I'm wrong because I don't care if I'm wrong. I just want to make sure this works because if it really does work the way I think it does, or which I think it should, we're going to help millions of families around the United States. And I think I heard Peter Diamandis says, like, if you want to have a billion dollar company, you have to help a billion people. And what I'm looking at here with the Opetra has that capability. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you in the sense of you, you need to really keep an open, open mind in a way because it's if your goal is to help, let's just say a, a million families, whether you're right or wrong has no direct correlation to that end result, right? Like it, they're, they're, not, they're not tied together at all. So it's you need to be okay with killing your baby, so to speak, of you need to build this creation and then stand naked in front of everyone and let them tear you apart and then rebuild again. And that that was a very mentally challenging thing to do because it's you you present it and they're like, nope, garbage, scratch it, start, start over. And you're like, fuck, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and you get so like tied into it. But uh, no, I agree. It's it's if you want to help, if you want to create value, there needs to be actual service and value being delivered to society. And I, I think that's something that crypto's missing a bit in a way where there's a lot of fun activities going on right now, but I, I would love to see a lot more value being generated in this ecosystem too, where it's not just, let's just stake this token to earn more tokens just for the sake of earning more tokens, tokens. where it's, how, how do we help more people, more families? How do we streamline financials to Africa? Like how, how do we actually solve real large problems? You know, And I, I'm sure the space will evolve to that point over time. And, and it's already doing a phenomenal job, but I, I think the community will start looking for more things like that instead of, you know, here's another exchange, here's another bridge, you know, and things like that. You know, it's going to be more real world activities. So you're using REIT works on stacks for the stacking mechanism to make the yield, like the the proof of transfer, right? I'm still working proof on this. Yeah. The proof yes. of transfer makes this all work. Now you're using... If, Theo works on Ethereum. Is there a reason why you chose Ethereum for this? Yeah. So, so to really tackle real estate, you need the liquidity from Ethereum and you also need the proof of transfer from, from Stacks. So we, we, we wanted to marry those two together because of that. Right. Because you're not going to choose Bitcoin because no one wants to give you any of their Bitcoin. They're trying to put it in their, their vault somewhere. It's their mm-hmm. gold. But with Ethereum, people are much more willing to use it as 
I, w- I don't know, currency? I know that's what Bitcoin wants to be and is really good at, but people kind of use it like gold. They want to like stockpile it up for the future. Whereas with Ethereum, eh, here we'll trade things back and forth. Yeah. And, and it, with, with REIT too, you know, we're, it, we're, we're doing no insider allocation. There's no VCs, no core team. Nobody's getting any supply. It's 100% free mine. You go in and you start mining. All we really did with Theo is we built a really big ass miner. <laughs> you could think about it that way. Yeah. So Theo is just a really big ass miner. We're, we're taking capital from Ethereum and deploying it in. But REIT, anybody in the world can access REIT at the same opportunity cost that we can access it with Theo. We don't have any insider kind of you know advantage over anybody else. That, that that's kind of like a core core thing as well. So we just we just built a really big miner with with Theo. You can kind of think about it that way. Okay. Yeah. I am still so new to this space. I am like over my head in most conversations. So th- you've been very gracious to me here as I'm trying to figure out how this whole thing works. And this is, again, for everybody listening, this is not our common subject we're talking about, but this is something that solves a real world problem. And that's something I think we talked about in the last episode is like, how are we using NFTs and Web3 to solve real world problems? It's not just about how much you know, going to the metaverse is cool, but like, how can I really solve problems in the real world, right? And this is, I think Theopetra is trying to tackle one of the biggest problems we have, right? Like you said, Mel, you can't, you can't do oxygen or food, but you can talk about shelter. So I think, Mel, you're doing, you're doing some big things here and I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm super pumped, super pumped as well. And I, I think it'll be a interesting year, year or two, kind of uh, watch this, watch this experiment. And, you know, what, what I tell everyone too is, you know, win or lose, I, I think it helps out the space. If we lose the next real estate project, we'll see what, 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 what we did wrong. We can pass on the torch, improve it here and move forward. Right. So it's right. I, ideally it's a win-win scenario for the entire ecosystem regardless, you know, from, from there too. So, and, and Mel, you're letting yourself, your ego wide open. You've, of course, you've got a healthy amount of ego to even try this, but you're allowing the people to call bullshit on you. And you're like, please tell me where I'm wrong. And I think that that's going to serve you really, really well. And it's, I don't know, I look up to you because of that. So I just want to say thank you. If people are looking to get in, how do they find out more information? I know you're going on a Twitter detox, which should be great. I kind of want to do the same thing to just build. But what, where can people find out more information? How can they get involved? Where, If you're in Southern California, where should they go buy the NFTs? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So we, we are going to be launching the Theo token in July. We, we pushed it back a couple of weeks due to audits. You could go to Theo Petra Labs on Twitter and also join our Discord. We're collecting Ethereum addresses for the whitelist event. And also REIT, anybody can anybody in the world can actually go in and mine REIT or buy Theo as well. And, and REIT will be launching in July as well. So they're both launching in, in July. They'll be publicly available and ready to be traded and you know bought from, from, from Theo. So as far as everything else, you could also, you know, you, you could also participate in NFTs, the suffer paying home NFTs on OpenSea and Gamma too from, from there as well. But our, our main core focus is uh, the, the tokens that, that that's what ideally we're, we're kind of known for is the, the token project. But yeah, that, that'll be in July and, you know, we'll, we'll have the experiments of the first early T-Homes physical properties, hopefully in uh, Q4, Q1 of next year. So gosh, I'm excited. When that happens, we got to get you back on because I got to talk. We got to talk through the whole process. Maybe it's got to develop a little bit more so we have more to talk about. But Mel, thank you for coming on the show and I'll catch you on the internet. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the next one.
Thanks so much for listening to Airdrop. If you want to know more about Mel or Theopetra or how everything's going to work, we have all the links in the description that you've probably already checked out by now, but they're there and we're here to remind you that they're there. Also, make sure to follow Airdrop on Twitter at Airdrop Show and please rate and review the show so more people can find us and we can all learn about NFTs together. And remember, if more people valued home above gold, this world would be a merrier place. Thorin Oakenshield. Oh, Thorin. I feel like you. Yeah. Those were kind of sad. Those were just dying words. Hey, you. Yeah.